Hello! You are listening to Gary Gatehouse Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We have good questions on the show like... Uh, Mr. Obama, sir, I have a, uh, just a quick question if I can. Um, I was wondering, you know, just uh, where... Uh, where the hell is your birth certificate? Hey, this is Gary Gatehouse, and I'm glad to be back, man. I was on vacation for almost two weeks. Christmas vacation, New Year's, but I'm back and we're ready to get after Lefty. I was talking to some friends of mine and they uh, they said, Gary, what do you got ready to go for the New Year as far as your radio show? And I told him, I said, well, listen, I have got numerous emails and it's been they've been coming to me for, oh, I don't know, the last 10 or 12 months with one question. Mr. Gatehouse, why did you stop using the term getting after lefty? Why did you drop that out of your lexicon, if you will? Why did you do that? We all loved your uh, entry into the show each week. And we loved wearing the hell's your birth certificate by that Chinese guy. And we loved the, 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 the term getting after lefty. It says it all. I don't know how many emails I got. From people and some very close friends of mine as well that told me they said Gary we think in our humble opinion that the getting after lefty uh, tag that you used for your show was a winner was a real winner and I have to say those statements came from two people that are in show business big time so I'm taking that uh, their suggestion to heart and I sat around and I thought about it and I thought about it during my vacation and I said Gary if there are so many people out there that are so wrapped up in the term getting after lefty which they say is the 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 sentence or the the brand that pinpoints your show tells it like it is says all about you as a radio broadcast host, you better start using that again. So, consequently, you heard the lead-off for my show today. That will be the lead-off for the Gary Gatehouse radio show, Getting After Lefty, from now on. No other, no other. Secret agent man, all of that, that's gone. It's the Gary Gatehouse radio show, Getting After Lefty. Now, Getting After Lefty was the kickoff of my show back in 2000, late 2006. The Getting After Lefty Show with your host, Gary Gatehouse. So from now on, it's the Gary Gatehouse radio show, Getting After Lefty. And we will continue using that, and we will continue, as I have always done since I've got in front of the microphone, we will cons- we will continue getting after Lefty. That's what the show's about. Getting after Lefty. But down here in South Texas, by God, it's getting after Lefty. Y'all heard that show, Getting After Lefty? Damn, man, that's a hell of a show, I tell you. So from now on, it's getting after Lefty. Now that we've got that all cleared up, and I, before I go any further... 
I would like to thank all those individuals that wrote me emails, sent me messages, etc., egging me on to go back to my original format, concept, getting after Lefty. Thank every one of you. You definitely impacted on my psyche as a, as a radio talk show host. And if you have any other suggestions, well, you know where to contact me. I appreciate your input. Now, during the holidays, like all of us, we kind of uh, sit back and enjoyed all of our kinfolk around us. And I'm one of those individuals. I enjoyed my sons and daughters here and their grandkids. And we had a great day. We had a great time, Christmas. Now, New Year's Eve, my wife and I, we kind of uh, made it a quiet New Year's Eve. We went out for dinner. Went out. Now, since I don't eat meat, I don't eat pork, I don't eat fish, I don't eat beef, bovine, whatever, I went out and had a nice chicken breast, uh, chicken breast and some nice rice, etc. And my wife, of course, she still eats meat, and she had a, a T-bone steak. And we enjoyed ourselves very much. Came home, made a few snacks to eat and munch on while we watched all the entertainment on TV, which led us up to New Year's Eve, up to midnight. We wished every, her, her and I wished each other a happy New Year. And we give each other a big kiss, as all couples do. Sit around and watched a little bit more of television, drank a little bit more wine, and went to bed. Now, if that had been the same Mr. and Mrs. Gary Gatehouse 10, 15 years ago, my God, you would have had to come looking for us. We would be partying until the sun come up. Because when we were younger, I think back to a time in the 70s when we lived in England. My God, we would party from the time the club opened till the time the club threw us out and we'd go back to the house and continue partying until the sun came up. But those days are gone. We're a little bit long in the tooth and I don't think I could survive one of those all-night parties. I just don't think I could do it. But all you folks out there, I know you younger folks, I know you enjoyed yourself. I'm just hoping and praying that all my listeners came back home in one piece, no problems, no automobile accidents, whatever, and you're all here in front of your computers, whatever, listening to the Gary Gatehouse radio show, Getting After Lefty. Because I love every one of you, and I want you all to have, and I wish you all the best in the new year, 2016. 2016, as far as we conservatives, as patriots, as moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas, brothers and sisters, aunts and uncles, us veterans, all us active duty folks, all of us patriots who love our country, want our country back, want our country out of that ditch that Obama's put it in, want it uh, back on the main road. The majority of the people I've talked to that listen to my show, if not all, are standing behind one of two individuals, Mr. Donald Trump or Mr. Ted Cruz. And that's it. Nobody else. No other word comes up. No other name comes up except those two. And I would be happy with either one of those men. Because, you see, both of them are patriots. Both of them are a different cut of cloth when it comes to their ideas, how they approach things, their training, their backgrounds, etc., their resumes. But the bottom line, they, and when, it, when you boil it down to the nitty-gritty, they're both patriots. They both love their country. And they, they, they too, 
want to take the road or the country the out of the ditch and put it back on the main road. Now anybody that stands against them, that's your prerogative. I don't care, you know, uh, who you stand for, who you push, uh, Rubio or or any of the other midgets. I don't care. That's your pro- that's your prerogative. But I think in the bottom line, it's going to boil down to those two, Mr. Donald Trump and Mr. Ted Cruz. They are the cream of the crop. They are the two men with the leadership skills, the negotiator skills, the skills that they have that where they can look somebody in the eye and they can tell right away through their negotiating skills, whether it be in the business or in the politics side of it, they can tell. If the people they're dealing with are honest and sincere or if they're just taking us down a road to a bunch of lies, whatever. I'm sure they can do that. And uh, the country will be better off, way better off, with either one of them. Now, I don't know, again, what you folks think about how these two guys are conducting their campaigns. Again, they're completely different. Mr. Donald Trump, I like him because even though he's a multi-billionaire, he comes across as a guy you would, uh, oh, I don't know, hang over the fence. On the other side of the fence, he would be there talking, shut his lawn more off, and you'd shut yours off and, and maybe have a beer and just talk about stuff. Not ever knowing he's got billions of dollars. It will, when he talks to the American people, he talks to the American people in plain blue-collar language. He doesn't pull any punches. He's not politically correct. And he doesn't give a damn what people think of him when he talks ill of them. Because the majority of the people that he talks ill of, they deserve it. When he calls somebody stupid or dumb, they are stupid or dumb. When he talks about the Republican Party or the Democrat Party in a negative manner, Truth hurts, I guess, because what he's saying about both those parties is true, and especially the Republican Party. The Republican Party has completely turned its back on the Republican base, the conservative base. It's completely thrown us under the bus. It doesn't want anything to do with us anymore. Now, you've got people like Paul Ryan, who's the Speaker of the House now, who tries to present himself as a stand-up, straight-backed conservative. That's a bunch of bogus crap. He's no more better off or no better than uh, John Boehner, the last Speaker of the House. They get behind closed doors, and they try to figure out every way they can to hoodwink the American people, especially the Republican followers of, of voters of the Republican Party. But America has caught on. Conservatives caught on a long time ago. And the so-called moderates and the so-called fence-setters and the so-called liberal Republicans, whatever, or the, or the whatever you want, they want to call themselves, some of them have caught on. And if you look at the st- statistics and you get down inside the polls, you will see that blacks, Hispanics, Women are following, are falling behind and getting behind Mr. Donald Trump or Mr. Ted Cruz. They know, they know that either one of those two men could lead the uh, America back into greatness again. They know it. We conservatives have known it for some time. In the beginning, we caught hell. 
for standing up and backing Trump or Cruz. But now the, those people, the same people that were giving us help, are coming around to our side. We knew that would happen, didn't we? Sure we did. I mean, you can't deny facts. You cannot deny the things that Trump and Cruz say about our country and about those who would want to destroy it. That either Neither one of them pull any punches. And what they say they're going to do if elected, I believe them 100%. Just look at it logically. If you look at Trump, he's a multi-billionaire. He's built his empire of business up from scratch. It is now with billions. He's talked to a lot of people, negotiated with a lot of people in different countries and different political scenes. He has stepped on people's toes if he's had to. He's told people to go to hell if he's had to, to make a deal or not make a deal. And in the end, he has always come out on top. Just look at his resume. Do you think he's going to put all that in jeopardy by standing up and making promises to the American people and then getting elected and reneging on them? No, hell no. Logic says no. And he has refused, ladies and gentlemen. He has come out and said, if I'm elected president, I will not accept one penny of a salary. Now, here's a suggestion I would give to Mr. Donald Trump. Don't accept the salary, but in turn, put it into an account for the veterans, the veterans that you so love. Put it in their account to help them get along as far as uh, uh, medical treatment, etc. Help them as you say you will. Give that salary to them. That would be a great gesture for you, Mr. Trump. This is Gary Gatehouse with the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show, Getting After Lefty. And we'll be right back after the Phyllis Shafley Report. You are listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Mrs. Schlafly is a constitutional attorney, pro-family leader, and author of 25 books, including the best-selling A Choice, Not an Echo. And now, here's the founder of Eagle Forum, Phyllis Schlafly. The effects of immigration supported by President Obama's liberal immigration policy can be seen in cities all over the United States. The problem is not just illegal immigration. Legal immigrants are taking American jobs, affecting American elections, and taking social service dollars paid for by American citizens. One prime example of this is Charlotte, North Carolina. Charlotte's Hispanic population grew by almost 15% between 2010 and 2014. This is more than double the growth rate of whites. In total, the 125,000 Hispanics who live in Charlotte account for 13% of the city's total population because many of these people are immigrants who are not well adjusted to American life. The city has diverted money to fund bilingual job fairs, special pro-immigrant task forces, and social service offices that cater specifically to immigrants and job preparedness programs. All these programs are being offered at the expense of the taxpayers of Charlotte. If these immigrants were so valuable to American society, 
they would not be a burden on everyone else by using so many social service dollars. Immigrants who come to America should come because they want to be a part of American culture, not because they want to cash in on our benefits. Many of the people who are let into America legally do not even know how to speak English. This not only burdens social services, it also burdens our already struggling public school system. Schools are having to spend more to have teachers who can communicate with students who do not speak the language taught in the classroom. People should not be allowed to immigrate into this country unless they are able to integrate fully into American life without the assistance of taxpayer handouts. Cities like Charlotte should stop unnecessary programs and put taxpayer money to use in a way that will benefit all citizens. You can send a clear message to Washington on the topic of immigration and stay informed yourself by contacting your senator's office and requesting they send you a copy of the Immigration Handbook by Senator Jeff Sessions. Let both of your senators know you care about this issue by calling them directly and asking for the Immigration Handbook. On behalf of Eagle Forum, thanks for listening and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Folks, why don't we go to the doctor? My uncle called, speech all slurred, complaining his arms numb. He called everyone. He even called my daughter, Tierra, because, you know, she's got a year of nursing. <laughs> everyone thinks he needs to go to the doctor, including me. So he said, well, will you take me? I'm like, I'm on the road. He goes, I'll wait. <laughs> Stroke's no joke. Dial 911. Time loss is brain loss. Seriously, dial 911. Visit strokesnojoke.org, brought to you by the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. I'm Marie Osmond. Choices, some are minor, others life-changing. But what if your small choices matter the most, like the stairs or the elevator, baked or fried? What if these small choices determine if you'll be the one out of every three women who die of heart disease this year? These choices might not seem life-changing today, but women are dying of heart disease at the rate of almost one per minute. Luckily, it's mostly preventable. Choose to act. Our hearts, our choice. Make your choice at GoRedForWomen.org. All right, this song's for all you guys and gals that catch that morning train, that morning subway. Go to work and work your tail off and catch that same train back the other way the same day. But we all got to remember today is hump day. Hump day in America. Hump day in the free world. Tonight we can go out and relax a little bit. Let our hair down. All we got to do is jump on that evening train. Evening subway. Hey, coming up, I've got something you've got to hear. It's about Bubba Bill Clinton and a blue dress, a particular blue dress. I think you might get a little chuckle out of it.
nine to five. Must be a banker, huh? I'd give a shout out to all my station owners and managers out there. Hope you having a great Wednesday. And uh, I don't think I need to remind you it's hump day, do I? You're all a bunch of partiers. All right, here we go. Get on that train. Get back to your baby. Get back to your main squeeze. It's hump day. It's time to go out and enjoy yourselves. Midweek. Hump day in America. Hump day in the free world. Coming up next, as I promised, that blue dress and Bubba Clinton. I think you'll get a real chuckle out of this. I hope so, anyway. <laughs> Here you go, have a listen. In a deposition in January, I was asked questions about my relationship with Monica Lewinsky. While my answers were legally accurate, I did not volunteer information. And I say to you now. Guess I lied and left a stain upon the blue Indeed, I did have a relationship with Miss Lewinsky that was not appropriate. My advisor. In fact, it was wrong. Said I'd never testify. I can only tell you. I was motivated by many factors. First, my privates. I had desire. Desire to protect myself. So Monica knelt before me. Now this matter is between me, the two people I love most, and my privates. Wouldn't you? As you know. Hell have you seen my wife? But I told the grand jury today... And I say to you now, I let an intern go down on me. I've been around the world dispensing presidential seats. Even my wife. I walk the halls of power with my pants. This has gone on too long. Around my knees. And hurt too many innocent people. country has been distracted by my privates for too long. I ask you to turn away from the spectacle of the past seven months, and I intend to reclaim Miss Lewinsky for my privates. Thank you for watching, and good night. You know, Patriots, that's a, a spoof that's uh, all based on what went down with uh, Bubba Clinton and Hillary Clinton when they were in the White House. Now we have Hillary Clinton, the other half of the Clinton regime. Now we have his wife, his squeeze, his ex-squeeze, his partial squeeze, his sometime squeeze, his squeeze when he comes into town, whatever status she holds with Bubba these days. Now we have her. 
bringing her baggage on board the train to the White House again. When they took the White House and occupied it for eight years, ran by Bubba and ran by Hillary, remember them saying you get two for the price of one? You remember them saying that we have two intellectuals that are going to guide this country in the right moral way? We are the people from Arkansas and we got it all together and the Democrat Party and the mainstream media and everybody went berserk over them? Remember those days? Remember all the stuff that came out, all the baggage that was exposed over that eight years, all the baggage of the Clintons that they brought with them from Arkansas when he was governor, and they added new baggage while they were in the White House. So much it would take us hours and hours and hours to discuss. Yet there are people in the United States of America who stand in front of television, stand in front of God, stand in front of their constituents, stand in front of their families and loved ones, and say, I'm all in with Hillary. Now all you young women out there, all you young uh, metrosexuals or whatever the hell you call yourself these days, you men that back her, you're too damn young to remember all of this stuff. And if you would be able to have access to it, which you can and which you will not take the time to do, you have not enough gray matter between your ears to understand what transpired over that eight years from, well, actually from the days in the governor's house in Arkansas to present day. You can't process it. Even if you could, you wouldn't. Because you're being led around the nose by that big shining star that says, especially you young women that stand by her, we're going to put a woman in the White House. I don't give a damn what she said or did. We're putting a woman in the White House. Same, same Barack Hussein Obama Jr., We don't give a damn what he said, if he's legal, not legal, what he's done, if he's a communist, he's a socialist, he's a Muslim. We're going to put the first black man in the White House because he has promised change. Change! And the dumbass Americans, most of us, bought into it. Are you going to buy into it again? Are you going to buy into the fact that we have nothing but reprobates when we talk about the Clintons? I'm talking about all three of them. The daughter included. She is a reprobate in training. You know, ladies and gentlemen of America, we people who get in front of the microphone every day and try to get some truth out there for people to hear. Now, when I talk about my constituency, my listening audience, I know I'm, I'm preaching to the choir to you folks. I, that's a give me. My hope and belief is there are some people that will come along and find my show and listen to it that are not on board with people like ourselves. We people who know, we people who love our country, we people who pay attention. And maybe they might pick up a few shreds of truth along the way. 
Maybe something that will switch them around. Push them over the edge into actually looking up and trying to figure out why is he talking about Hillary that way? Why is he talking about the Clintons that way? That we've been told that they're great people. The media says they're great people. Why is Gary Gatehouse and others talking about him in such a ill manner? Unless you've been through it. Unless you've been through the whole nine yards with these people. It's an ongoing debauchery case. These people are absolutely immoral people. Like I said, reprobates. They have no moral compass. If you look at their resume, their political resume, and their life history, that all proves out to be a fact, the truth. They have no conscience. And they use every opportunity to grab more power. Now, they have an absolute knack when they get in front of a television camera or a microphone, especially Bill Clinton. He has an absolute knack of coming off as just a good old boy from down down in Arkansas, all shucks and all gee whiz and all golly gee. When in actual fact, he's a conniving, lying individual that would sell anybody out for just a little more power or maybe a little more tail. You know, ladies and gentlemen, when you talk about individuals that are going to occupy the White House, and you look at Barack Hussein Obama Jr., and you look at all the, his minions in his regime that back him, you look at the Republican National Committee, you look at the Republican leadership, do nothings. They absolutely do nothing, say nothing. So in, in all reality, they are signing on to everything Obama says for the simple fact they don't stand up against him. Then you look at the Democrat Party, the DNC, and the Democrats, period, all Democrats, all that sign on to the Democrat Party. They have to know. You can't tell me they know, don't know that Hillary Clinton's a crook. Anybody by this time in the game over this extended period of time of almost 30 plus years that doesn't know that Hillary and Bill Clinton are crooks or liars or immoral or reprobates, then there's something wrong with you. You just don't, you don't understand anything. You don't deserve to even have a vote. But you know, folks, what's really sad about all this is the majority of people, the majority of people in the Republican and the Democrat Party. I'm talking to the people that run the show. The majority of them. I'm talking about the politicians. The majority of them. They don't give a damn one way or another. They're there for themselves, period. They're not there to represent the people who sent them there. That's a gimme. We know that. You can see it. But uh, we as individuals, it's behooving us. It's on our shoulders. It's our responsibility to call a spade a spade. It's our responsibility to tell it like it is. 
It's our responsibility as good American patriots to pull no punches. It's our responsibility to stand with those who stand with us. It's our responsibility as patrons, as patriots who believe in the Constitution, our military, our way of life, who want our children to have just as good or better life than we have, our grandchildren and future generations to have a country they can grow up in in freedom and peace. It's on us. We adults in the room, if you will, to take care of business. It's on us. We can't pass the water off to somebody else. We can't say to somebody else, you take care of it, I don't have the time. It's on us. Now you're asking yourself, well, what's he talking about? On us. Every step of the way, regardless of how minute, how small the time may or the time slot may be, standing around a water cooler at the at the office or talking with your relatives or whatever, and they speak good of the Clintons. It's on us to educate ourselves on just how bad the Clintons are. Most of us already know, and it's on us to let those uneducated, misinformed, underinformed, I don't give a damn people, it's time we wake them up with the truth about the Clintons. It's time we wake them up to the truth about the Democrat Party. It's time to wake up fellow Republicans about the Republican leadership. How many times have you heard over the course of your voting life, how many times as a Republican have you heard, well, we know that this guy that the Republicans are running for the presidency or the senators or whatever, we know they're not worth a hill of beans, but we've got to vote them in because if we don't, the, re- the Democrats will get in. And that's what the Republicans have been running on for decades. Vote for me or the Democrat will get in. And they know that Democrats will vote. They'll vote for a damn monkey if it's got a big D on its chest. Democrat for the Republican, for the Democrat uh, senator or congressman or whatever. uh, uh, Republicans supposedly have more common sense than that, but they don't. I gotta hold my nose and I gotta vote for him. I don't like him, but I gotta vote for him. Why? Because a Democrat will get in? You can't stand the fact that a Democrat will get in? I don't want him in either. But when you vote a Republican in that you know is going to be just like a Democrat or Rhino, well, you're voting a Democrat in anyway. He just has an R on or her chest, but says in his mind, in his actions, in speech, and what he does in Congress or the Senate, goes with the Democrats. A rhino, Republican in name only. I don't even know what that means anymore. This year, 2016, is going to be the year that common sense people People with common sense, with gray matter between your ears, whether you're Democrat, Republican, Independent, Liberal, whatever you are. Before you're any of that, you're an American. You live in the greatest country in the world. 
has been in fought, fought for and died for, meth, much blood spilled and treasure spent to keep our freedoms intact. This week we've seen the rogue government, the rogue presidency, again chip away at the Second Amendment, again go after the rights of the American people to bear arms. A little chip here, a little chip there, and by the end of his regime, the Second Amendment will probably be gone. Pretty much so. They've already destroyed around the edges the First Amendment. They've got young people already convinced that the First Amendment is, we don't need it. Do away with it. Hell, young people don't even know what the Constitution's about anyway. Before I go to break, I'll make one more statement. We were talking about this during Christmas dinner. I had my grandchildren sitting there. They're both in their teens. One's in college. And I made this statement in front of them. And their, and their eyebrows kind of raised and looked at me. And I said to the collective group at the table, I said, you know, we as Americans ask our young, young folks, and I looked at my grandkids, and tell them that they must protect their country. They must go out and do what they have to do to protect the country. But then again I said, how can young people understand what they have to protect? How can the young people be involved whatsoever in America today? When they don't even know how America's ran, they don't even know a damn thing about the Constitution. They know they have no idea where their rights come from, from God through the Constitution. And my oldest grandson looked at me and just nodded in the affirmative. You know, ladies and gentlemen, we get on young people all the time. I just finished doing it just a little bit ago. But then the whole reality of the situation Young people are being shortchanged. They're being told they're getting good educations. They're being told that they're coming out of college with all the, the uh, wherewithal and all the knowledge, etc., to get them a good job, and there are no jobs to be got, had, to be had. They come out of college, they come out of high school, and they know nothing about their country. They know nothing about our ancestors of the past what they did to contribute to the freedoms that we enjoy today. They know nothing about our founding fathers, all the trials and tribulations they went through. They know none of this. How can we ask them to stand up for their country? How can we ask them to protect the country when they don't even know anything about their country? This is Gary Gatehouse, and we'll be back after a few short messages. Well, look here, a new listener. Hey, this ain't your little sister's radio station. This is Gary Gatehouse. Make sure you tune in to Restoration Radio International weekends to listen to the Gary Gatehouse radio shows back-to-back. Wow! Your home. You served your country with honor. 
Now it's time to strike out on a new path forward. You're a veteran. You set the standard for character, integrity, leadership. And you've gained valuable skills, skills employers are looking for. At jobcenter.usa.gov, you can get access to personalized services and the support you need to find the perfect career. This is U.S. Navy and Marine Corps veteran Montel Williams saying, visit an American Job Center today and discover your next opportunity of a lifetime. You are listening to the sound of the heartbeat of an unborn baby just 28 days after conception. Every day, more than 3,000 abortions are performed in this country, and each abortion stops the heartbeat of a living unborn baby. Since 1973, the annual number of abortions has gone from approximately 750,000 a year to just under 1.3 million. Abortion isn't rare or safe, only legal. Legalized abortion on demand has taken the lives of more than 50 million unborn children and left those women who have had abortions more vulnerable to physical, mental, and emotional complications. We at National Right to Life are working to break this cycle. We are working for the day when both mother and child will be welcomed, loved, and protected. Won't you help us? This has been a Perspective on Life from National Right to Life. For more information, visit our website, nrlc.org. Liberty Council is a litigation, education, and policy organization established to preserve and advance religious freedom, the sanctity of human life, and the family. We have offices in various places around the United States and affiliate attorneys in all 50 states, plus a major outreach in the nation of Israel. Don't get discouraged about what's happening in our country and around the world. Get encouraged. Get on your knees in prayer and get involved. Stand with us in preserving our Judeo-Christian values. Visit lc.org. Well, welcome back to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show, Wednesday edition, Hump Day. And give a shout out to all you listeners over there in Great Britain. I hope you had a great and fantastic Christmas and a New Year's Eve. I know uh, my Trilos, my friend over there in London, Mr. Stephen Lang, I knew he... He had a hell of a time. I know he did New Year's Eve. He's a partier anyway. You know, if you step back and you you just kind of... I don't know about you folks out there, but I do this a lot. Sometimes when I uh, really don't want to talk to anybody or... Just want to kind of go off in a corner and surround myself with my own thoughts about what is going down in my country, uh, the issues of the day, if you will, the impact they're going to have on myself, my family, my children, my grandkids, my great grandkids, if I ever have any. <laughs> and Come New Year's Day 2016, everybody, of course, came over and we all got together and blah, blah, blah. You know how that goes, that scenario. Somewhere during that day, in the afternoon, early afternoon, I kind of, when the football games were going on, I just kind of, I don't know, crawled off to a little corner in the rec room and sit down in a chair and kind of drifted back to 
all the concerns that I have about my country, all the concerns I have about my family in this coming year. If you really look at the situation worldwide, and you, then you look at the situation here in our country, America, things aren't very good. The attitudes of the people in my country are questionable. The attitudes of Europeans when it comes to many, many issues, Muslims, Islam, etc., are questionable. There's a huge enemy out there who is hell-bent on destroying the world as we know it. Is hell-bent on establishing a worldwide caliphate. Is hell-bent on ridding the world of infidels or those folks who will not sign on to Islam. You look at the attitudes of what I just spoke of. You look at the attitudes of Americans towards the threat. And it seems as though they just poo-poo it off. It seems like Americans are more interested in reality shows, music, Hollywood, who's in bed with who, whatever, than they are with their own countries situation that we're in today. They are not cognizant of the fact that our country is under a great peril, a big threat. And there are people out there in the world that even reside in our country who really don't belong here because they have or they can't because of their religion owe any allegiance to our country, our constitution, our way of life, because their religion, Islam, directs them not to. They can only have allegiance to Mecca. They can only have allegiance to Islam. The Quran tells them so. But it seems to me that our politicians and the talking heads in the media just don't get that. They just don't understand that. They talk around it. They don't talk about it, period. Or they're so damn dumb and uneducated about the Islamic religion that they just don't know the reality of it. Now in Europe, my ancestors came from Europe. I have friends in Europe. I have friends in England. Hell, my radio show airs in London, England. Yet Europeans, along with their brothers and sisters across the pond, here in the United States, more so than not, just don't care, or they don't get it, or they don't understand the severity of the situation when it comes to Islam and Muslims. Now again, sitting at the table for Christmas meal, we were talking about this very subject, this very issue, Islam. My son-in-law spoke up and said, well, 
There are many moderate Muslims in America and in Europe. And I spoke up, almost yelled. How many of those moderate Muslims do you see protesting the decapitation of Christians in in the Middle East? How many of those moderate Muslims throughout the world do you see standing up in the streets or whatever and denouncing all the atrocities that ISIS and others have committed in the name of Islam, the religion that they all march to, moderate or otherwise? How many do you see? No answer. And I said, I tell you what a moderate Muslim is. And the ears really perked up then. I said, a moderate Muslim is a Muslim that will hold you down by the feet or whatever is necessary. If it takes one or two of them, moderate Muslims, they will hold you down. Why Islamic terrorist or radical Muslim, as mainstream media calls him, cut your head off. Well, that uh, made a few people around the table sit up and uh, kind of think for a minute. You know, folks, whether you're sitting at a table with your loved ones, you're in a mixed crowd of people, Democrats, whatever, and the subject of Islam comes up, the subject of the Quran comes up, the subject of Muslims in America comes up, you had better be educated to the point, if you want to educate others, educated to the point of what Quran is all about, what the Quran says, what Islam means to Muslim people. I've said many, many times, when you go to a Muslim library, there is only one book on one shelf in the whole library. It's the Quran and the teachings of Allah. That's it. Those people live by the Quran from the time they're born until the time they die. The Quran tells them, dictates to them, instructs them. Everything, from tying their shoes to blowing their nose to having sex, you name it. In the lives of Muslims, the Quran is the direction book, the playbook, the directives that they go by from cradle to grave. Nothing else matters. No other input even resonates with them if it's outside the Quran. Yet we allow Muslims into this country. And if all Americans were educated to the point they know that Muslims who practice the Islam and uh, the religion of Islam, live by the Quran. If all Americans knew from A to Z what those 
directives in that Quran say they wouldn't let a Muslim in this country. There would not be one Muslim allowed in this country. Oh, I know there are some that come on television and there are some that are served in the military and I'm sure there's some that uh, are walking the halls of Congress. I know they are. American Muslims, black Muslims. They hold no allegiance to the American Constitution. I'm talking American black Muslims. If they practice the Quran and Islam, they can call themselves Americans. But when it comes to their political beliefs or political agenda, because you see Islam, that's basically all it is. It's a cult religion, politically motivated, control. And if you talk to any black Muslim, American, if you talk to any black Muslim that holds office in Congress, I think there's two of them. If you can get them to admit the truth, which I know you can't because they're Democrat, they would tell you their allegiance lies with the Koran. Not the Constitution. Who else in our government tromples and tramps and shreds the Constitution at every opportunity? Barack Hussein Obama Jr. And when people like me or anybody says Obama is a Muslim, at the very least a Muslim sympathizer, well, all the politically correct crowd come down on you like a ton of bricks. But I think they know in deep in their heart when that statement is made, I think they know it's the truth. Barack Hussein Obama Jr. is a Muslim. If you go back and research his background, research what he says and hasn't said, who he stands with and who he doesn't stand with, the many numerous times that he has demeaned and made fun of and impugned the Christian religion and stood strong for the Islamic Muslim religion, one can only surmise that he's a Muslim. If you look at the people he wants to bring in this country from the Middle East, Syrians, 98% of them are Muslim. 2% or less, or less probably, are Christian. Why is that? Because Muslims hate Christians. Muslims want nothing to do with Christians. Because you see, Islam says there can only be one religion. Islam. No other. No other believers of any other religion. Buddhists, whatever. Christians, whatever. You either convert from being an infidel and a non-believer to a believer or at the very least, they will take you and use you as a slave, trade you, or they'll kill you. Simple as that. Obama has said it before. That no one should go against Islam. 
He stands with Islam. How can anybody in this United States deny the fact that the leader of the free world occupying the White House, the Rainbow House, used to be the White House, how can they stand there with a straight face and deny the fact, all the facts, that point in just one direction? Obama is indeed a Muslim. Now people say, well, we've got until November to put up with him. No, you've got until January. The new president doesn't take office till January of 2017. Obama can do a lot of damage in that time frame. And I swear to God, he's got a checklist. And he's checking things off as he goes. And that checklist is still a long one. He still has incomplete business that he's got to take care of. He has to destroy America as much as he can. He has to, as much as he can, change the demographics of this country. He has to, as in the short time frame he has left, to bring and import as many Muslims as he can onto the soil of the motherland, our motherland, to change the demographics as much as he can. To start a groundswell, if you will, of Muslims in this country, building mosques, getting elected, taking over little small towns and villages through the political system, moving on up into states as state governors, and yes, eventually someday down the road, President of the United States, President of the Muslim United States. You think that's far-fetched? Go curl, curl up in a corner and think about it for a while. Go look at what's going on in Europe and the United States and the rest of the world when it comes to the Muslim religion, to Muslims, to Islam, to terrorism. Take a look at all the times that Obama has denied the fact that terrorism is wreaking havoc on the American psyche. The threat looms large over us. Yet he continues to play golf and talk around the issues. No, 2016 is not going to be a flowery, sunshine year unless Americans get their act together and stand shoulder to shoulder and tell not only Obama but tell all those people that run those agencies up there, the Department of Justice, etc., and Congress, we're not taking it anymore. You people are all called out on the carpet. We've had it, and we're going to take care of business. You're listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show Wednesday edition, Hump Day, and we'll be back second hour. It's just about on the hour now. Time for the uh, five-minute news. 
We'll be back for the second hour, and we're going to kick it off with a Gary Gatehouse rant. Stand by, it's going to be a good one. You are listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show. Gary will be back after the Fox 5-Minute News break. Live from New York, the Fox Report. I'm Lisa Brady. Three years after his seven-year-old son was one of the first graders shot to death in Newtown, Connecticut. As a nation, we have to do better. We are better. We're better than this. Mark Barden at the White House today as the president announced and defended his new executive action, expanding background checks by requiring most gun sellers to register as licensed gun dealers. We've created a system in which dangerous people are allowed to play by a different set of rules than a responsible gun owner. He says he's not targeting constitutional rights, also urging voters to make a stand. Fox's Rich Edson. The Republican National Committee coming out with a statement and saying, quote, the recent tragedies that have gripped our country are heartbreaking, but none of the unilateral restrictions President Obama is proposing would have prevented them, making this proposal all the more insulting and political. Some in Congress urging better enforcement of existing laws and threatening to strip funding needed for some of the changes. Here comes the rain in drought-stricken California. Fox News Radio's Jessica Rosenthal live in L.A. Lisa, we've had downpours across the state all day. Flash flood watches have been issued, especially for areas on hillsides burned by recent wildfires. There have even been some voluntary evacuation orders issued. The water amounts have been pooling up on highways and roads. Mud has started to flow and rocks even damaged cars on a canyon road in Malibu. Fire departments like Orange Counties are ready, according to Captain Steve Concialdi. We have a rescue paramedic on our helicopter starting from now until Friday morning. We have our 23-member hand crew. We have two heavy equipment operators and we have all of our four swift water rescue units that are staffed. The series of storms is expected to last through the week and we may get more rain next week, Lisa. Thanks, Jessica. The Dow up 10 points on the day. Gun stocks rallying. Fair and balanced. Today in school, I learned a lot. In chemistry, I learned that no one likes me. In English, I learned that I'm disgusting. And in physics, I learned that I'm a loser. Today in school, I learned that I'm ugly and useless. And in gym, I learned that I'm pathetic and a joke. In history, I learned that I'm trash. Today in school, I learned that I have no friends. In English, I learned that I make people sick. And at lunch, I learned that I sit on my own because I smell. In chemistry, I learned that no one In biology, I learned that I'm fat and stupid. And in math, I learned that I'm trash. The only thing I didn't learn in school today... The only thing I didn't learn today... The only thing I didn't learn... Is why no one ever helps. Kids witness bullying every day. They want to help, but they don't know how. Teach them how to stop bullying and be more than a bystander at stopbullying.gov. A message from the Ad Council. The San Bernardino terror attack that killed 14 people last month remains under investigation, though the FBI still believes the radicalized couple who later died in a shootout acted alone. And as of today, we do not see any indications of a foreign-directed terrorist act. This seems to be an inspired 
terrorist act. Special Agent David Bowditch appealing for public help and piecing together the killer's whereabouts after the attack, but before they were killed. About a four-hour window in all, 18 minutes still unaccounted for. A deadly firefight for U.S. troops in Afghanistan. A battle with the Taliban involving U.S. Special Operations Forces has left one dead and two wounded. One of the wounded was not a special ops fighter and is believed to have been on a U.S. medevac helicopter that went down as it tried to rescue the soldiers in southern Afghanistan. Fox Radio's Rachel Sutherland. A federal judge approving a delay for Bill Cosby's wife, who was scheduled to testify tomorrow in a defamation lawsuit filed against the comedian by seven women. The Cosby's attorneys requested the delay as they continue to fight Mrs. Cosby's deposition. Twitter is considering a big jump in its famous limit for tweets. How about 10,000 characters? The company is currently testing a version of the feature where tweets would show up on your social feed as they do now, but you would be able to expand them to reveal more words. The hope is to keep the same look and feel on your Twitter timeline while allowing more content. The company currently uses 10,000 characters in its messaging feature. Recode.net is reporting the change could happen within the next few months. Fox is Kristen Goodwin. The jackpot for tomorrow night's Powerball drawing is swelling to $450 million, now the sixth largest in North American history. In New York, I'm Lisa Brady on Fox News Radio. You are listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show. So you thought you were sending Junior Little Mary off to college to get some higher education? Well, hell, they're getting high, and they are learning all the ways of the perverted left, and you're paying for it. You know, you are. You're paying for it. You busted your butt, hocked the house, hocked the car, whatever it took to get them off to those uh, Ivy League schools, whatever. Well, here's some stuff you might want to check out. University host lesbian bondage expert. Sex week activities paid for in part by student fees. A lesbian bondage expert who wants to show students how to turn up the heat on our own sex drives and a campus-wide condom scavenger hunt are among the activities planned for the University of Tennessee's first ever sex week. An event paid for in part by the student fees charged by the, by the college. Sex Week is sponsored by the university's Sexual Empowerment Awareness at Tennessee Club. The six-day event is expected to cost nearly $20,000, covered in part by university grants, student fees, and contributions from academic departments. Wow! Isn't that great, parents? You're sending your kids off to college to learn how to be a pervert. Sex Week is sponsored by the university's Sexual Empowerment uh, awareness Club, a perverted college, I would think. <laughs> oh, man. The university is providing funding for the workshops. 
of all types, a wide range of issues that are beneficial to our students. Beneficial. There are 30 events planned, including getting laid, sex positively, queer as a verb, bow, chicka, bow, wow, how to take your parents about, talk to your parents about sex, loud and queer, and how many licks does it take? A workshop about oral sex. Gosh, great courses. It's tracking important topics related to sexual health, sexual identity, preventing sexual assault, gender roles, and religion. You know, students, I guess, have made have done a damn good job in making sure that there are things to to appeal to all the perverts in the college campus. On the college campus, the nearly twenty thousand dollars cost was covered by money given from specific academic programs who see a common interest from law from sociology and from history. Oh, yeah, this is all great stuff. Sociology and history, the history of a condom, maybe, the history of a bisexual marriage, who knows? You know, in addition to a campus-wide scavenger hunt for a golden condom, the university is hosting noted lesbian bondage expert and errata uh, author Sinclair Sexsmith. The story was first reported in the campus reform newspaper. Sex Smith, who serves on the board of the New York Lesbian Sex Mafia, will deliver a lecture titled Messing Around with Gender. She also runs, or Butch also runs, the online website Sugar Butch Chronicles, the sex, gender, and relationship adventures of a kinky queer bitch. <laughs> and Junior and Mary. You busted your butt to send Junior and Mary to college off to Tennessee, the University of Tennessee, and they're up there learning about Butch and their queer bunch and all that other stuff. Isn't that just great? Don't you just love it? In addition to hosting college workshops and lectures about queer theory, she is an expert in sexuality and leather. There you go. Maybe oh, I ain't going to go there. University of Tennessee student Brianna Rader one of the founders of Sex Week told Fox News with Sex Smith that Sex Smith will not be engaging in lesbian bondage demonstrations during her appearance. Why not? Kids today have got to see. They don't learn by reading. They've got to see. Put on a show. Instead, she's going to do a workshop on poetry about sexuality. She is also going to be talking about, the con- about constructing and reconstructing gender, gender roles in society. People don't know who in the hell they are today. They've got to check between their legs to see what they are, and that don't even count anymore. If you don't like it there, go get it changed. You know what? School will pay for it, probably. Ladies and gentlemen of America, you know, I, I th- this article goes on and on and on, but it gets so perverted and so downright dirty, I, I don't even want to get, go there anymore. You know... This used to be the land of the free, home of the brave. It's more like the land of the free and home of the perverted. Our, our country is so damn sick. It isn't. It's. It's not even. Uh, it's. Uh, I don't know. Education and perversion go hand in hand. I guess teaching our young people all the perversions that the left just loves. Yale's having a whole. Yale University. Ivy League, they're hosting a sex week as well to explore sexual culture. You know, Yale University has come a long way from its founding by colonial clergymen in the 1640s. Fast forward to March 2013. 
and they're going to usher in sex weekend. <laughs> That's at Yale. They're also going to be teaching about adding pleasures to your prostate to skills you probably didn't know, and you can learn in college. You can learn it in college. Other workshops are going to include fornication 101, dirty talk, querying a toy box, sex week final lace and leather burlesque show. <laughs> and you folks, you moms and dads, are sending your kids off to this perverted cesspool of crap. A cesspool of crap. Some of the other workshops at University of Tennessee are getting laid, loud and queer, golden condom scavenger hunt, concepts of virginity, how many licks does it take, set sex ed that just can't wait, lunch with Planned Parenthood, from a rocky bottom to a rocky top, Transgender Sexuality 101, Sex in the Dark, Steamy, How to Write About Sex and Poetry, Performance, Middle East and Sexuality, and a drag show. And it isn't about cars. What do you think, parents? Thinking you're getting your money's worth? All that time that you devoted in uh, raising your children, you know, putting them under the moral standards that you have were raised under, your Christianity, what do you think? You know, I know what I think. I think America's gone down the crapper. America's finished. Our moral standards are in the dirt. They're in the mud. Everybody fluffs it off. Everybody says, oh, that, they're just being kids, or, oh, that's just, uh, that's just the way it is today. Our kids are not getting the education, so what? Who cares? Turn the TV on and sit Junior and Mary down there and let them watch a little bit more of this, a little bit more of that. Here's some video games. Go kill some people on, on video. See how many points you get for killing 50 guys. Oh, I don't know. This country's sick. It's sick. This is Gary Gatehouse, and we'll be back after a few short messages. You are listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show. Well, folks, like I said, you know, the perversion in the United States is completely out of control. You send your kids off to school, and you're being told that you got to save your money, hawk your house, do whatever it takes, hold down three jobs to send little Billy or Mary off to college because the, the media, the teachers, the counselors, society... It's telling you, if you don't send your kids to college, if they don't get an education, well, they're going to have to go out and do menial things like drive a damn stinking dirty bulldozer or work in a factory building cars. You don't want your boy or girl doing that. Let some illegal do it. Let some Muslim do it. But, oh God, not my Billy or Mary. So you do what society tells you to do. You work your two or three jobs. You build that bank account up. And you get your little boy or little girl all the way through grade school and high school. And all along the way, from pre-K up through high school, they're indoctrinated. Not taught. Not taught what America's about. Not taught about our founding fathers. Not taught about all the things that are good about America. 
They're taught about things that they need to know. Society says they need to know, like, oh, I don't know how put it, how to put a condom on a cucumber, or how to recognize what sex you are. There's so many different sexes out there, or how to protest on how to get a transgendered bathroom in your darn high school, or they might load your kids up and take you up to the state house, say, like in Minnesota, and protest a Republican governor. The teachers of the NEA up there carrying signs and trashing the state house. All prime examples to their students on how they should conduct themselves. Then after they graduate from there and they get that little certificate that says that they graduated from high school. I'm going to tell you a little story. I was a recruiter at one time. And the recruiters had a specific Guideline they went by in order to put Amer- uh, American kids in the military. These kids had to pass a certain criteria of test as certain results in order to qualify to go in the military so the military could tell what brain power, what gray matter these kids had and they could be able to assume and re- absorb the teachings of any particular, oh, I don't know, military occupation skill. Welder, tank driver, aircraft carrier, maintenance man, whatever. Mathematician, you name it. And I remember kids coming in and taking the pre-test to the real test that would say, yes, you're eligible to go in or no, you're not. Many passed, excuse me, failed the pre-test. And I would tell them, Billy, you didn't pass the pretest. You're going to need to go study this, this, and this. Well, I've got a high school diploma. It says here if I'm a high school grad, I can go in. But you have to pass these tests, Billy, these aptitude tests. If you can't pass the aptitude test, you're not eligible to go in the military. So what was the next thing in line in that whole scenario? I'd get a phone call from the parents. What do you mean my son can't go in the military? He's a high school grad. He graduated from high school. He has a diploma. I know the kid down the street that's only got a GED. And he went in. Yes, but Mr. and Mrs. Joe Sixpack, your kid, although he has a high school diploma, or she has a high school diploma, she's ineligible to go in, or he's ineligible to go in, because they failed the pretest which isn't as even as hard as the actual test in order to get in the military. Well, I thought anybody could go in the military. Not in today's military. There are so many sophisticated equipments to operate, so many sophisticated computerized uh, things that people have to know about that you have to have an aptitude in order to get in the military and be able to absorb the training and teaching that's going to be required of these individuals to operate all those things. Well, why can't he go in? Because he failed the test. Uh, You know how many times I heard that? And yet people today still don't understand that the public school system is selling you out. 
They're selling your children out. It's not education anymore. It's big business. Go look at what the school administrator earns. And for a teacher to stand up and say they're underpaid, they only work six to eight months out of the year. And they get a full year time salary. I had a teacher complain to me that she didn't get paid over the summer months when she was off. And I said, well, how much did you make, if I may ask, during your school year? Well, I made $66,000. But you only worked eight months. Yeah, I know, but I'm not getting any pay over the holidays, I mean, over the uh, summer vacation. You know, ladies and gentlemen, some people that work double time Two jobs don't make $66,000 a year. And they don't—they work holidays and they work almost all year long. Maybe a day off here or there. Get where I'm coming from? But the public school system has sold you out, Mr. and Mrs. America. And furthermore, they've sold your children out. They have told you point blank that you must, you will, Send your children to school, to college. If not, you're a bad parent. And most Americans, well, okay, I'll hold down another job. Give it all to little Billy and Mary so they can go to college. And little Billy and Mary go to college, and they come out after four years, holding that sheepskin. They majored in uh, feminist movements, or they majored in a history of uh, some lost tribe or something, and they come out and they say, I can't get a job. I got my college diploma. I can't get a job. Get where I'm coming from? These kids that come out of college today have been sold short along with their parents. They have been sold out just like the politicians sell us out as a people, we the people. This whole country has been sold out bought and sold by a few, like the largest and biggest teachers union or the largest biggest union in the United States, the National Education Association. They run the public school system. Teachers are no longer teachers. They're change agents. They're here to change America through the curriculums they design based on socialism, atheism, secularism, and they teach it to your kids as classwork, as curriculum, and you parents buy into it. And never complain one bit about it. Not one complaint. Oh, maybe a few here and there. So the bottom line is, America, the bottom line is, parents, the bottom line is, mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, you've got your kids lined up. They're going to graduate here a few months out of high school. They're going to go to college because you've saved your butt off, you've worked your butt off, you've hocked the house, whatever. Because your kids are going to go to college and get them a degree. Gary Gatehouse has a degree. Gary Gatehouse went to college. It took me eight years to get my degree. Why? Because I was thrown around all over the damn world trying to save and protect the country of the United States. Took a course whenever I could. But I finally got her done, as they say. 
But I also have another degree, a degree in hard knocks, a degree in world travel, a degree in exposure to all kinds of different peoples and civilizations and cultures. Something that most Americans going to college never get. And I'm lucky because of that. My job took me there. To the Middle East, the Far East, the, to Europe. Where I actually settled down and lived in those areas. But you know, ladies and gentlemen of America, moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas, education today is a farce. Education today, as they would like to say, I say they, the socialists, the Marxists, the progressives, the communists, whatever you want to call them, Democrats, liberals, whatever you want to call them, they will be the first to tell you they're the most educated people in the world. Just ask them. They'll tell you. And if you go off on some tangent like I am right now, speaking against what they stand for and what they perceive as education, well, they, they'll, they'll do everything to shut you up. They don't want to hear it. It's not in their lexicon to say education today is terrible. No, it's great. Just look at what it turns out. Look at the journalists we see on television. Look at what all the things that they say and how they come across and how they support the Democrat Party and socialism and secularism and how they support all this. Where do you think they learned all that stuff? They learned it in college. If you're a conservative in college and you stand up against a professor that is preaching the doctrine of socialism and hate America, you know what one of the first things out of their mouth is? McCarthyism. McCarthy and all the Democrats and socialists and Marxists and progressives and atheists that are attending the class and the course surround the president or the professor and say, Amen, brother. He is a conservative. He's a Christian. He don't know what he's talking about. McCarthyism. Throw him out. Shut him up. That's where education's at today. We'll be right back after a few short messages. Exercise is hard. So is maintaining a healthy diet. Of course, neither is half as hard as dying. Sadly, type 2 diabetes, heart disease, and stroke kill nearly a million people a year. Even sadder, most of these deaths are preventable with a few lifestyle changes, including regular activity, healthier eating, and not smoking. Talk to your doctor about your risk for type 2 diabetes and heart disease. And if your doctor recommends lifestyle changes or medication, listen. The reason so many die is because not enough are willing to change. You can stop it starting right now. It's your life. Listen to your doctor. Eat better. Get moving. Visit CheckupAmerica.org or call 1-800-DIABETES. A message from the American Diabetes Association. One in 33 babies is born with a birth defect, but mothers-to-be can help give their babies a healthy start. This is registered dietitian Melissa Joy Dobbins for the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics with your Eating Right Minute. There are some simple steps women can take to prepare for a healthy pregnancy. Take 400 micrograms of folic acid each day. Don't smoke or drink alcohol. And talk to your doctor about any vaccines or medications you take. Maintain a healthy weight gain during pregnancy, and if you have diabetes, keep it under control. Remember, make regular visits to see your health care professional. 
For help choosing foods during your pregnancy and after baby is born, see a registered dietitian. Encouraging you to eat right, I'm registered dietitian Melissa Joy Dobbins with the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. Well, welcome back to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show, Wednesday edition. You know, folks, we've talked about a few issues over the last hour and 20 minutes, education, Muslims, whatever. But I've got to say this, and I've got to say this from the bottom of my heart. Coming from a person who has worked for my country, served my country for well over 30 years, I love this country. You can't beat this country. It's the best country in the world. The American people overall are the best people in the world, the most giving, the most loving. I was talking to an individual the other day that came from Canada. Originally, he he lived in Germany, moved to Canada, then he moved to the United States. And we were talking about America, and he had a lot of negative things to say about America, and I asked him, his name was James, and I said, James, if you have so negative, so many negative things to say about America, why on earth did you move here? And he thought for a minute, and he says, you know what, Gary? He says, the reason I moved here is because this is the most free place I can find in the world. And I said, that's true. But let me ask you this, James. How do you think those freedoms remain free, if you will? And he thought for a moment, and he says, oh, because of your government. And I said, no, not because of our government. Our government, under the Constitution, is there for one reason, to protect the American people, the security of the United States. Everything else that they've done within the Constitution or outside the Constitution is questionable. They have put their fingers and their hands and their ideologies and whatever, they've injected all of that via lawmaking and come down on the American people through that process. I said, the bottom line is, the government is there, like I said, for one reason, to protect us. The reason we have these freedoms, the reason we still have them intact for the most part, is because there are individuals that are willing to lay their lives on the line now and in the past to protect this country and its freedoms. And he looked at me and he said, uh, I never looked at it that way. Well, I said, you came from Germany, right? You had certain freedoms, didn't you? He said, yeah, we had some, but they were being infringed on all the time. I said, you came from Canada? He says, yeah, but uh, up there, he says, I'm a conservative type of guy, and up there, it's, it's too liberal for me, especially right now. And I said, well, if you look at America, we're in the same scenario, same situation. Conservatism is is uh, is a thing that is being attacked left and right by the liberal people of this country, the liberal media, the liberal political parties, both of them. And I said, but the thing that keeps us free as conservatives, as Christians, even though that we are being attacked and pinned, impugned and uh, made fun of, is our freedoms, our freedom of speech especially, freedom of speech. The left tries to shut us down, but they can't. 
They can't shut us down. If we, the conservative folks of America, stand up for our right to speak out, they will never be able to shut us up. And he said, yeah, you're right. He said, but you know, America always says that they're the most helpful, the most generous people in the world. And he says, where does that all come from? I said, James, you lived in Germany, right? And James was about, I'd say he's about 50-something years old. He said, yeah, I lived in Germany. I said, you don't remember World War II, right? He said, no. He said, but when I was a little kid, there were still parts of Germany that were still in rubble. Not much, but there were some back when I was in my early years. I said, who in the hell do you think protected your country after World War II, after we defeated you, the Allies? Who do you think built your country back up from the rubble, the same very same rubble that we had to cause because of Nazism? Where do you think that money come from? You didn't have any money, your country. Europe didn't have any money. Who do you think paid for all of that? He thought for a moment and he said, well, I guess your government. I said, no, that's a wrong answer. The government gave, our government gave you the money, but they didn't pay for it. I said, anytime you walk out your door, walk down a street in the United States and look around and you see people, American people, they're the ones, the older folks, they're the ones who paid for that. Through their hard work, working a 60 and 70 hour work week, something that you folks in Europe forgot how to do a long time ago. When you were on your vacations and enjoying things, American people were working their tails off to pay for the rebuilding of Europe. And I said, furthermore, James, with all those limited freedoms that you say you did have in Europe and Germany, after the Cold War until present day, who in the hell do you think protected Europe from the onslaught of the USSR, the Soviet Union? Who do you think did that? I grant you that you had armies, but they were small, and they were not very well equipped. Who protected you from the nuclear threat of the Soviet Union for decades? He had no answer. I said it was America. America. We did it. Where do you think that money come from to protect you? Where do you think that money come from to build all those different weapon systems to stand up against the Soviet Union with a threat of total destruction, mutual destruction, and kept us all free? Where do you think that money come from? And I said, James, please don't say your government. The United States government got its money from the American people through taxes. The United States of America does not make or earn or produce one red cent. That money all comes from the United States American hard-working taxpayer. That's the way it's always been. If we send a battle group over to some country who's suffering from a tsunami or some a natural catastrophe, the American people are paying for it, not the government. He looked at me and I said, he said, well, you're pretty passionate about that, aren't you? 
And I said, you damn straight I am. I'm sick and tired of hearing that the government does this, the government does that. The only thing our government here in the United States does is get us further in debt and turns its back on us. I said, we're over $18 trillion in debt. And if we paid $100 million a day for the for for every day of the year, it would take us 5,000 years to pay that debt off. That debt is going to be laid at the feet of our generation, our future generations down the road so far, you can't even see the end of the road. And who got us in this mess? Twofold. One, the federal government got us in this mess. Spending and borrowing, spending and borrowing. And not having the backbone to stand up and say we're not spending any more until we get this paid down. The other reason, the American people got us in this mess for not standing up to the federal government and not telling them, we'll take the hit. But you've got to stop this spending because you see the American people are weak. They don't give a damn that we're $18 trillion in debt. They could care less. It's not. It doesn't mean a damn thing to them. As long as they get their freebies. As long as they get their welfare and their uh, all the handouts that the government gives them, gives us. We could go fifty-five trillion dollars in debt. American people wouldn't care. But you see, the average American has their their uh, credit cards maxed out, so they're living just like the government is. And he said, well, Gary, I came here just to have a chat. They didn't come here to get a lecture. And I says, I'm not lecturing. I'm just giving facts to you, bud. You moved to the United States, and I'm just throwing a few facts out there for you. And he uh, shook his head, and he said, yeah, I see where you're coming from. And he, uh, he said, but still, the bottom line, America is the most free country in the world. And I said, yes, they are, James. But it's not because of the government. It's not because of the government. It's because of the American people. You know, ladies and gentlemen, Gary Gatehouse is very passionate about his country, very passionate about how our government treats us, we the people, how the government treats us as dolts, as they look at us as the great unwashed People they can get over on any time they feel like it. And sad to say, most of the time they do. But I think there is a pulse, a heartbeat in the American people. I think the American people are waking up. That they've been taken, they've been rolled. They've been cleaned out, they've been sold out by our own government, the leadership, etc., There are two individuals, like I said in the first hour, that are on the horizon, on the radar screen, that are bringing this all to light. And the journalists and all the mainstream media and Hollywood and the government and all of the lefties and all of them, they can't stand the fact that Ted Cruz and Donald Trump are getting after lefty.
We'll be right back after a station break. Don't you go away. Bunker in Phoenix, Arizona, rebooting Liberty Radio Network and Gary Gatehouse Radio Show. Tune in. See what Gary's up to. See what rebooting Liberty Radio Network's up to. Conservative talk at its best. Tune in to Gary every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on Rebooting Liberty Radio Network. Be there! Yeah, Rebooting Liberty Radio. That's my new affiliate coming out of Arizona. Great radio station. Tune in. Uh, they're out there all day broadcasting the best conservative talk in the nation. Coming up next, it's Our Voice with Ricky Rasmussen speaking and reporting on things and issues that are going down in South Africa. Coming up next, have a listen. And welcome to another edition of Our Voice. Our Voice is the uh, radio program of Webosa, a non-profit company in South Africa. Webosa was started by myself, Ricky, with the object of obtaining with passive resistance equal application of the Constitution of South Africa to all citizens of South Africa to ensure justice for white South Africans and also other minorities. To achieve this aim, we withhold our money and support from any institution or person that discriminate against us. Our Constitution protects human rights and it enshrines the rights of all people in South Africa and affirms the democratic values of human dignity, equality and freedom. Whites and other minority groups, such as the coloreds, do not enjoy equal protection. And based on what I will share with you every week on the Gary Gatehouse Show, for as long as I will have the opportunity, you will realize why we are very concerned about what is going on in South Africa. Now, our voice is also um, broadcasting every Monday evening from 8 to 9 on Impala Internet Radio. There we deal mostly with the positive things, play nice music and share um, more positive aspects of our lives with our listeners. Thank you for being here and before I continue to share with you the uh, information that I've gathered this week, I want you to please take down my email address. It is admin at webosa, W-E-B-O-S-O dot org. And please communicate with me and let me know if there's anything about South Africa that you would like to know more about. 
If I do not have the answer, I will find the answer for you. Today, I want to start on the topic of incompetence and corruption. Last week, I told you about the problem that we had with um, Prasa and the uh, diesel locomotives they bought from Spain at a cost of 600 million. Now, to follow up on that problem, I think I also mentioned that the um, chief engineer of Prasa apparently did not have a proper degree. And the Freedom Front Plus, one of our political parties, laid a complaint with the Public Service Commission against Prasa's chief engineer, Donald, Dr. Daniel Mutemkulu. It was now confirmed two days ago that he lied about his qualifications and re when requested to provide proof of his qualifications, he did not respond. He was suspended with immediate effect. Now, it's horrific to think that your chief engineer responsible for, for instance, train safety um, is not a qualified person and that he lied and provided false information to obtain a position like this. This is now a common problem in South Africa that unqualified people is uh, employed in high positions and it also reflects on the competence of the people who interview or it is a clear indication of carded deployment and uh, a total lack of understanding the consequences of employing an uneducated or inexperienced person to such a high position. It is clear indication that there is no regard for the citizens of South Africa. Now, that is not the only problem that PRASA has. The uh, CEO, group CEO of PRASA, Mr. Lucky Montana, was also dismissed. Now, he stated that he regards his dismissal as grossly unfair and illegal. He addressed journalists at the Hyatt Regency Hotel in Rosebank last week and um, said that even though he expected the dismissal, he said it was politically motivated. The PRASA board apparently, led by Chairperson Popo Malefi, announced Thursday in a media statement that Montana has been released from serving his notice period. He was only supposed to leave in December. Montana had previously lambasted the board under Malefi's leadership for its incompetence and meddling in the operational affairs of the agency. At issue, for instance, is the slow pace of process procurement of infrastructure relating to the 51 billion locomotive contract. Montana said that we have the required skills, but he is not convinced that the board will be able to act in the best interest of PRASA under the chairmanship of Popo Malefi and his modus operandi of interfering with the business of PRASA. Montana also accused Malefi of conducting a clandestine investigation against him relating to the procurement contract. Montana also rubbished allegations that were made against PRASA. It was reported that PRASA's own engineers had warned in a report that the new Afro 4000 diesel locomotives bought from Spain were too tall for existing infrastructure. But Montana this week 
took some journalists on a ride to prove that the locomotives were indeed suitable. Now, I do not know what the outcome of this is and whether maybe it's suitable here, but not um, elsewhere where it's supposed to be used. Other reports also said that Prasa had deviated from its payment schedule uh, in a contract to purchase Spanish locomotives, paying winning consortiums with Fumbo Rail leasing about 40 million more than was stipulated. To this, Montana said that all the allegations were employed to tarnish his reputation, which had made it easy for the board to terminate his contract. He indicated to journalists that he would provide details behind his dismissal after he has had discussions with the leadership. Mr. Montana was not the only one to be fired by the board. The acting head of security, Cabela Mansani, was replaced by Mr. Matakata, and spokesman Moffat Moffaking was replaced by Sifa Sitoli. On Thursday night, Zatawa, which has been a champion of Mr. Montana, demanded his immediate reinstatement and called on Ms. Peters again to dismiss the Prasa board. This is now only the problems experienced at Prasa, and that is not the only state-owned company that experienced major problems in employment and um, efficiency. Telcom, our telecommunications company, also has major problems. I've heard from an employer last week that they are going to retrench 18,000 people and apparently the majority of them are whites. Now that is just an absolute horror. Taking into account the problems that, for instance, Telcom has, um, then this story will really raise your hair. Tutukizila Zima age 25, daughter of President Jacob Zuma, has been bumped up to chief of staff in the telecoms department. She may have made history as South Africa's youngest head of a minister's office. She was a lowly public liaison officer and she was given the position, a very power position, powerful position of chief of staff within two months and now earns almost a million rand a year. Her dramatic rise to the position, which she assumed in May after the appointment of her father's new cabinet, has raised concerns about political nepotism at the renamed Department of Telecommunications and Postal Services. A chief of staff position requires extensive management experience, an understanding of ministerial services and parliamentary functions to take charge of the overall management of the ministry. Such a person requires knowledge of the Public Service Management Framework and Public Finance Management Act. The Chief Director position requires at least five to ten years experience at senior management level. Now Mrs. Zuma or Ms. Tutukizili Zuma uh, completed her undergraduate degree in 20. 11. She worked or volunteered, according to the ANC, at the ANC's headquarters. She subsequently joined the state security and spent less than a year there. Now, interesting is her CV. She was born April 28, 1989. In December 2006, at the age of 17, 
she matriculated in Cape Town. In July 2008, at age 19, she registered two companies as a director with her sisters and a few others, Jew Minerals and Born Free Investment 660. Both companies appeared to be dormant. In April 2011, aged 22, she graduates with a BA from the Wits University, majoring in Anthropology, Sociology and International Relations. In September 2011, at the age of 22, she works briefly at the ANC headquarters. The party said that she did not receive a salary. In June 2012, aged 23, she graduates with an honours degree in Anthropology from Wits University. In 2013, aged 24, she joins the Ministry of State Security as a Public Liaison Officer and in May 2014, she leaves the Ministry of State Security with Siabonga Kweli for the Department of Telecommunications and Postal Service and was promoted to Chief of Staff. Now, Chief of Staff is responsible for the overall management of staff and the officer's budget in the Ministry, making it a very powerful position. According to the estimates of national expenditure for the current financial year, the Chief of Staff will manage a 4.1 million budget in the Telecommunications and Postal Services Ministry. As Head of the Ministry, Tutukili will play a critical function in the interface between the Ministry and the, the Department. Now, it is patently clear that this is um, not a matter of what you know, but who you know. The Mullen Guardian contacted to Tukili to, to discuss her experience and why she qualified for the job, but she refused to discuss that. Her response was abruptly, please direct all questions to the relevant department spokesperson. I do not answer questions on behalf of the department and abruptly put the phone down. Sia Bongekweli last week requested Parliament to approve a 1.59 billion budget for this department. We are not surprised anymore with appointments like this. It's a matter of who will be the next. And if there is a big outcry, then they just dismiss the person or deploy him to another department or in another position. But there's just never a stage that these situations are properly investigated and that corrective steps are taken or that the losses suffered are recovered. And in every instance, huge losses are suffered. And I cannot see how international investors still invest in a country like South Africa who doesn't give a dime about competence and proper financial control. Another glaring incident of corruption and crime is the incidents where teachers in KwaZulu-Natal helped the matrix to cheat. A significant number of matriculants have admitted that invigilators and teachers helped them cheat in last year's final exams, according to the Department of Basic Education. In January, multiple pupils gave suspiciously, suspiciously similar answers, complete with identical spelling errors, 
at 58 examination centers in the Eastern Cape and KwaZulu-Natal. Now you can think, if this is what happens in the schools, the matric certificate is worth zero. It was claimed that the invigilators, including teachers and headmasters, had read out answers at the front of the exam venues for pupils to write down. Pupils to write down. The spokesman, Elia Mishlanga, said that the department had completed its investigation at half of the regions in the Eastern Cape. They've received confessions from a significant number of learners who have indicated that they were assisted by adults and vigilating or by their teachers and principal. The disciplinary hearings are expected to be finalised. I do not know if it had been finalised and what the outcome thereof was. Now, I found this warning of Dr. Martin Luther King. He said, I am much afraid that schools will prove to be wide gates to hell unless they diligently labour in explaining the Holy Scriptures, engraving them in the hearts of youth. I advise no one to place his child where the Scriptures do not reign paramount. Every institution in which men are not constantly occupied with the Word of God must become corrupt. See to it that no one takes you captive to hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ, referring to Colossians 2 verse 8. Now this is so true many years ago and still today it is absolutely relevant and maybe you do not know but there's already a movement to remove Christianity from our schools. Now I do believe maybe it doesn't matter whether you're a Christian or has another belief but if you do not have that groundwork, then you sit with problems like this in the school where adults teach children to steal. And then you also understand why we sit with this major problem of the masses who are uneducated, who are simply incompetent and do not understand the consequences of their vote for the ruling party. Senior communists this week warned of a recession looming for South Africa. It is set to hit South Africa early next year and the first signs of that is already visible. I've already mentioned the telecom retrenchments and this is a common problem on a daily basis. Kumba, that is a mining company in the Tabazimbe area, announced that it was going to close down its mine in Tabazimbe which will result in 1,900 1, people left unemployed. Now, in Tabazimbi, the mining industry is the backbone of the local economy. That will mean a difficult time for many families. Taking into account that unemployment is already a crisis in South Africa and that the miners have to face racially-based labor legislation such as affirmative action and BBBEE, it will be very difficult for them to find new employment. Now, ESCOM has also sent out an email um, last week that 39,000 employees um, will not receive bonuses or salary increases this year. Traditionally, 
ESCOM increased the salaries in July, and this will mean that all ESCOM employees will have to face the recession, increasing fuel prices and food prices with last year's salary in the in the And to add injury to insult, there's already talks of a countrywide strike. Now, if the people who are already struggling to keep the country's failing power supply units running and they go on strike, we may just sit with the much-discussed full-power blackout. And you can think um, what dire consequences we will experience then. Another glaring indication of the incompetence and the lack of ethics in our hospitals is the story of a very young girl who was pregnant. She was in her last week of her pregnancy when she was rushed to the Krugersdorp Yusuf Dadu Hospital um, when she was not feeling well and started bleeding. She waited for hours for treatment and was supposed to be transferred to another hospital, the Leratong Hospital, as the Yusuf Dadu Hospital did not have any oxygen available. Now, I do not know why she needed oxygen, as it is not stated. She waited four hours for an ambulance and the ambulance arrived to, to take her to Laratong, but the ambulance also did not have oxygen. Her heart then stopped, and all attempts to resuscitate her was unsuccessful. The hospital did not even try to save the baby, as the baby was still alive and could have been saved if they performed a caesarean section. Up to now, the hospital has not given any comment on this tragic incident. Jack Bloom, the DA um, Shadow MEC for Health, said it is absolutely shocking and inexcusable neither to have oxygen in a hospital nor an ambulance. In another incident in the same hospital, a pregnant woman was told that her baby, full-term baby, has died and that she must come back the next day because they cannot assist her that same day. That is, that is absolutely unacceptable conduct. Any person, nurse or medical practitioner with this attitude should not be working in any hospital or should not be treating any patient. The problem is that nothing will happen with these persons unless, for instance, a political party lodge a complaint or a member of the public, maybe the family, lodge a complaint with a public protector and um, the desired steps are taken. In another tragic incident, a seven-year-old girl died at the Charlotte Mokeke Johannesburg Academic Hospital. Now, this hospital used to be a very good academic institution and every, any person could have gone there without a problem, but things have changed. The mother of this girl says there were definitely negligence on the part of the, the doctors. Apparently, she was in hospital for 10 days, and only when she stopped breathing um, as a result of a lung problem, they attended to her. The doctors obviously deny any allegation of negligence. Relevant to these reports, um, President Jacob Zuma went into hospital yesterday to have gallstones removed. 
Now, it is evident that the remarks on Facebook and Twitter is not very supportive of Zuma. And one lady made the following remark. Let's hope he gets the same medical treatment he subjects his citizens to and that load shedding hits the hospital amid the operation. That will certainly guarantee his death. May he get what he subjects us to. That is only fair. If one reads the social media on a daily basis, it is evident that the South Africans are really fed up for the situation here and that many of them on, are on a verge of taking the law into their own hands. And that is really a sad situation. Let's hope we can take hands with Americans, with Europeans. Let's all stand together and stamp out this corrupt communist leaders and bring about change. Thank you, people. Enjoy your day. Well, folks, we're going to close out the Wednesday show with uh, Ricky Rasmus's report, Our Voice. Hope to be talking to you Friday. Until then, this is the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show. Have a good day. Yes, it is.